you. Good morning. I'm reading from Romans 5 verses 1 to 8. Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we also have obtained our introduction by faith into this grace in which we stand. And we celebrate in hope of the glory of God. And not only this, but we also celebrate in our tribulations, knowing that tribulations, tribulation brings about perseverance and perseverance, proven character and proven character, hope. And hope does not disappoint because the love of God has poured out within our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has given to us. For while we were still helpless at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. For one will hardly die for a righteous person, though perhaps for the good person someone would even dare to die. But God demonstrates his own love toward us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Thank you, Brianna. We are expecting this morning to hear from God, aren't we? Yes, it's expecting. Thank you, Pastor Grant. Praise God. So we've been doing a series on the love of God. And uh, Scripture says in uh, the epistles of John that this love is perfected, that we have confidence on the day of judgment. Because as, as he is, so are we in this world. You know, in one sense, uh, God is love. Christ is love. We have the love of God shared aboard in our hearts. So we are the manifestation of we got a co-star out here. <laughs> look, look at me. So in one sense, we are the manifestation of love, Christ's love on the earth. And uh, so we've, we've been looking at love really as the final series for this, this year because the whole year has been on discipleship. And uh, walking love or the love walk is the perfection of our Christian life or the maturity of our discipleship life. A mature Christian walks in love. It's a huge, it's a huge uh, topic. Uh, it's one that normally when I've ever started it before, I go, you know, oh, what am I going to speak on? And then when you get stuck into it, it's like, well, where are we going to end? And uh, it's, a, it's an important topic. Who knows that the love of God is an important topic? Uh, for us to walk in love and to have his love, it's no wimpish thing. It's a powerful thing. It changes our life. It is the manifestation of God in our life. And the message today is really going to be on, well, what is the love of God? And I had some other things I was looking at covering, which I don't think will get love illustrated and the benefits of love. Who knows that God doesn't ask, expect you to live or ask you to live a particular way or do anything in which there's not huge benefits in it. There's gain. Godliness is of great gain. It's profitable. So whenever God asks us to do or expects us to walk in a certain way or believe certain things, there's profit for that. We come out the winner. And we come out the winner understanding what love is. Now this verse, which Brianna read, thank you, uh, the verse we wanted to look at there is that the love of God is shared abroad in our heart. And what that means, uh, it's a little bit of an understanding, I want to touch on that, what that means. Because although uh, love, love is manifest in actions, the, the Apostle John said, do not love just in word and deed, but love in actions. Love is not a work. 
It's not something that impresses God. It is something that God graces us to do and to have and to walk in once we understand it, believe it, and act on it like anything else with God. You believe it. You understand it. The reason you understand it, the parable the sower says, is so that the devil can't come and steal it from you. The seed which the devil stole was the seed which they did not understand. And then as soon as we act on it, the grace of God empowers us to live in love. And there's benefits for it. We'll talk on later. There's joy. There's victory. There's a a greater blessing the Bible talks about in love when we walk in love. But today we're going to talk about what is love. Romans 1 verse 8 says, love is shed abroad in our heart. We need to understand that uh, this new covenant is not a covenant of do's and don'ts and what to do and what not to do. It's a covenant of what we get to do because he enables us to do it. Now, Jesus said this one commandment I give to you. And then the epistles say, this is the new commandment that we love one another. And uh, Jeremiah the prophet and Isaiah the prophet uh, prophesied that the law would be... You've got a heater going. Yay! (laughs) A wise man. (laughs) That the law in the new covenant, the law would be written in our hearts. Now, what that doesn't mean is the 380-something list of do's to don't, do's and don'ts in the Old Testament, including the Ten Commandments, it's not those that are chiseled in our heart. There's not this list that, it, that rolls out that the Holy Spirit inscribes in our heart. This is what you do, this is what you don't do. That's not the law he's talking about. He's talking about the law of love. Because love, the Bible says, is shared abroad in our heart through the Holy Spirit. It is the nature of God that is imparted to us. It's the first fruit of the Spirit. The more we learn it, identify it, and walk in it, the more joy, the more victory, the more blessing we have, and the more blessing we are to others, and the easier we are to get along with. (laughs) Amen. (laughs) So, what is love, though? And, And what is, in particular, the love of God? Or is it the prayer in Ephesians 3, which we worked on uh, the other week? It says, the love of Christ, which is in us. What is it? And that, this question, what is love? Of course, the world tries to answer it in lots of ways. And you see it, you know, I love my car. I love chocolate. Who loves chocolate? I say to my kids, do not buy me chocolate. And they seem to take that as a message, buy him chocolate. I mean, do not buy me chocolate, please. You know, especially, especially rum and raisin or, or, the, or the dark colored arm. Don't buy it to me. You know, I've got no self-restraint. Who would like to have? I'd like to have no self-restraint with abounding in love. We'd abound in love. The question is, what is it? It's shed abroad in our heart. It's the nature of God which is imparted to us. Paul said to the, to, to the Thessalonians in 1 Thessalonians, he says, I've, I, I really I don't need to raise this topic of love with you because God has already taught you to love your brother. That's interesting. The Holy Spirit teaches us to love. He, he goes on to say we need to excel in it. But it trans, it's powerful. It's not weak. It's not piddly. It wasn't weak for Christ to take the stripes and the nails and the sword, that was strength. 
That was manhood. That was godly. That was strong. That took guts. And that was love. What is this love? And, you know, there's movies about it. You know, you mentioned about Sleepless in Seattle. You know, I'm a rom-com fan. I know there's not many of us, but I'm a rom-com fan. We're talking about movies at our place. What are we going to watch? Let's watch Star Wars. Let's watch Aliens. I said, let's watch Sleepless in Seattle. And they all look at me. Let's watch Notting Hill. No. <laughs> Notting Hill's almost a perfect movie if you take out the swearing. So we look at that and we go, well, what is love? And those questions answer that. What is love? What is love? What is the love of God? And in Sleepers in Seattle, you see the posters and there's uh, Meg Ryan and the hair's blowing back like this, flowing in her face. And, there's, and then there's Tom Hanks and they're looking at each other and they've got this different view of love because she's all starry, starry-eyed. And, oh, this is love, you know. and he's already had a great love and she died and he's wondering, could I ever have it again? And that's the question, what is love? What is this love that the Bible says is shared abroad in our heart? It's there. It's the power of it's there. The joy's there that for us to trigger. Remember, all the promises of God, they're not automated, they're activated. And we can learn to activate the love which God has shared abroad in our heart. Linda and I, uh, we met, she's here, so I can't stretch this story out. And um, we normally block her on Facebook when she's not here so she doesn't get to hear my exaggerations. But we, we met and we were engaged in quite a short time. I do not recommend it. Uh, but we were, uh, I recommend getting engaged. I just, <laughs> not in nine days. Actually, we were informally engaged in six days, but she had to meet the parents and you don't want to rush into these things, do you? So, but then, and she went back to New Zealand. I was uh, uh, working for a church, and like a lot of churches, when you're working for them, it wasn't much, so I went, wasn't getting much money, so I went out and I started to, uh, I put fiberglass in, in, in buildings to get some extra money, and I was listening to my Christian putting fiberglass in buildings. We were separate for like six, eight weeks, something like that, you know, and we'd only known each other, for, seen each other for 10 days, and of course, you know, she, she, she is stunning and was stunning and so stunning that when we're engaged in living in New Zealand, so I love embarrassing you, darling, look at you. I, I taught in a, a school of lots of Maori kids, you know, and I was living with the youth pastor. She was staying with her mum and she'd come and visit me at lunchtime and over the rail of the fence when I was on lunch duty. And one day she did this, I was on lunch duty and we came back I uh, came back uh, after lunch duty and all these, the Maori kids, you know, they were lined up and these, all these Maori girls were giggling in a way. They were just giggling, looking at me and giggling. I said, what are you laughing at? They said, oh, Mr. P, is that your fiancé? I said, yes, it is. They just started chuckling. I said, what are you laughing at? They said, oh, Mr. P, she's too good for you. <laughs> I had to ask ourselves the question, what is love? I what is love? And, and we'd been, you know, after we were apart a few weeks, I, I have to tell you this, just block your ears, darling. I had to tell you this, I was starting to forget what she looked like. Yeah, I don't know if you've ever been there. I knew I loved her, but I was forgetting what she looked like. So I had a photo, then I put a photo under my pillow. 
you know, and, and I slept on this photo. And when we finally got on the plane in Sydney to go to Auckland to meet her after this, I don't know, six weeks, eight weeks, I had to carry that photo in my wallet so that I would recognize her when I got off the plane. And because it would be embarrassing, don't you think it would be rather awkward to go up to the wrong Kiwi? And, you know, so I had this photo and I have to, I'm telling you the truth, I was looking at it as I was going through customs. I was looking, I got this photo, I've got to recognize this girl. I found out later, she had the same problem. Did you? <laughs> I'm just glad she found me. What is this love? It's not human love. It's not based in need. What is this that has already been shed abroad in our heart? I'm going to read uh, from this, uh, this study here uh, by Rick Renner, which I, I just mentioned before. I'm going to read what he says about the love of God. Because we understand that... Uh, there were a number of Greek words for, for love, uh, agape, philia, eros. And, uh, but agape was a word, like charis, which is uh, to do with grace, agape was a word which Christians took and owned because there was really no equivalent in culture at the time to represent the love of God. Like there was no real equivalent to represent grace, but they took agape and made it their own. And so uh, scholars have struggled to give it its meaning or to really define it well. They did find some inscriptions of, of soldiers who were prepared to lay down, who loved their generals so much that they would lay down their life for the generals and do whatever they asked for that, that general asking, whatever he needed. They called that agape. So Rick Renner says this. He says, the word love is the Greek word agape, which we've studied before. This word agape is so filled with deep emotion and meaning that it is one of the most difficult words to translate in the New Testament. The task of adequately explaining this word has baffled translators for centuries. Nevertheless, an attempt to, will be made to clarify the meaning of agape, and as I've stated before in previous, he's got another Bible study. This is a, a devotion for each day. They're about four pages long. He's got two of them, for two, two, you know, one for one year and one for the other year. Agape occurs when an individual sees, recognizes, understands, and appreciates the value of an object or a person. God's love sees recognizes, understands, and appreciates our value. Causing them to behold this, up, this person or this object in great esteem, in awe, in admiration, in wonder, and in sincere appreciation. Such great respect is, is awakened in the heart of the observer for the object or person he is beholding, that he is compelled to love them. In fact, his love for that person or object is so strong that it is irresistible. They cannot help but love them. Now think about this. 
this is God's love for us. And this is the love which he has shed abroad in our heart as part of his nature. He's made us the temple of his Holy Spirit so his personality and nature can be made known to the world. He shed this in our heart. We have it. It's in our heart. When I was baptized in the Holy Spirit, uh, and the next day I turned up at university and all my Christian friends said, what happened to you? And apparently I'd been a bit of a grump, a bit of a dried up old biscuit up to that stage. But the love of God is shed abroad in your heart through the Holy Spirit. And it just manifests. It is the mature manifestation of a mature, not signs, not wonders. Jesus didn't say you'd know them by their signs and wonders. Signs and wonders are good. I believe in healing. I believe it's fall. But how you tell if someone is mature in their faith is their love walk. Is the love of God manifest in their life? This kind of love knows no limits or boundaries in how far, how wide, how high and how deep it will go to show its love to the recipient. If necessary, agape love will even sacrifice itself for the sake of that object or person it so deeply cherishes. Agape is therefore the highest, finest, most noble, most excellent form of love. And that is his love for us. And that is his love that he has shared abroad in our hearts. It is available for us to change us. It has benefits. We're going to define it a little bit. One of the ways they define it is, is, uh, is how, what, what, what it does, what it looks like. John said it's to do not love in word or deed, but love, uh, love in action. So how does the Bible define agape? Because all good Bible scholars here, which you all are, because we all love the Word of God. This is, this is the church that loves the Word of God. This is a church that works in the Holy Spirit and that walks in love to each other. It's not an accident that we're a friendly church. It's by design. So in Romans, uh, Romans 5.8, it says the love of God is shed abroad in our heart. I've written here and I've got this uh, well, it's from Vine's Expository Dictionary. Like I do something really radical. You know, I know this. Uh, I've I got this cheat system. I actually look up Bible dictionaries, you know. I'm sorry, I do. And I find out, you know, what the scholars say words mean. It's a good habit to have, get a good Bible dictionary. It says here, Vine says, uh, love is an exercise of the divine will. It's made without an assignable cause. You cannot make God love you more. And there's nothing you've ever done to make him love you less. He loves you because of the inherent value you have. Nothing you can do to make him more and nothing you've ever done makes him love you less. Now, that doesn't mean that he's sometimes overly happy with us. So you understand that. <laughs> Those of you, you've loved your kids, you've loved this, you're not always that happy with them, but your love for them it is never changes. And so here's, it's an exercise 
of God's will. God determines to demonstrate his love to us. Now flip with me, uh, you can, otherwise it might get up here. In Deuteronomy, I'm going to go to Deuteronomy 9. Uh, this is where God introduces his love to the children of Israel and then go back to Deuteronomy 7 after that. It's interesting when God reveals himself uh, in the Old Testament, he first reveals, reveals himself as a God who is righteous, a God who is holy. And then once they've worked out that he is righteous and holy, then he introduces himself as a God of love. It's interesting the order in which he does that. In Deuteronomy 9, he says, um, Know then, verse 6, Know then that it is not because of your righteousness that the Lord your God is giving you this possession. You are a stubborn people. <laughs> it's not because you're righteous that I'm going to give you this land. In fact, you're stubborn. You're pig-headed. You won't do what I've asked you to do. Remember, when, do not forget when you provoked me, the Lord your God, in the wilderness. They were stubborn. And yet in verse... In Deuteronomy 7, verse 7 to 9, yeah, if you get it, that's good. It says here, verse 6, Deuteronomy 7, verse 6, You are a holy people to the Lord your God. The Lord your God has chosen you to be a people of his own possession out of all the peoples on the face of the earth. Now the Lord did not set his love upon you, Because you are more in number than anyone else. In fact, you're the fewest. He's just got, he's got through, later he says, you're stubborn. You're not even great. There's nothing really impressive about you. Well, that's good news for some of us, don't you think? That's good news that he loves us, even if we're stubborn. Even if we're unimpressive, there's really nothing impressive about you guys. Uh, that's, uh, but I love you. See, it's like, you know, children of Israel, you had one job, <laughs> one job to do. Just, you know, just do what I tell you to do. That's all you're going to do. You know, like I'll part the Red Sea for you. I'll bring the manna. I'll bring the pillars. Just, just walk. Just put one foot in front of the other. Dude, that's the only job you had to do and you couldn't do that. You stuffed that up. But I still love you. Because love is a purposeful act of the will of God to care for, to bring the benefit on others. God decides that he loves us. That tells me a couple of things too, which we'll talk about in later weeks. Love is triggered when you act upon it. Love is actioned when you act upon it. It's not an emotion. It's not a feeling. How do you, do you think Jesus felt this gooey, gushy thing as, as his back was being stripped? But he did it in love. Do you think... He felt all gooey and gushy towards us as his beard was being pulled out of his face, but he did it in love. Love is gutsy. Love stands in the face of everything to the contrary and says, I will love 
this person. He's done it for us, and that love is shed abroad in our heart. Praise God. Then love always seeks the welfare or the benefit or the object of his love. We've got Romans 15. Love is an exercise of the divine will of God. This is the love which is shed abroad in our heart. It's not dependent on our good looks, on our talent, on our potential. It's not the kind of thing you love a racehorse because you think it might win a million dollars for you one day. No, it's not relying on potential. Love always seeks the welfare of the person. Romans 15, 1 to to 3, it says, Now we who are strong ought to bear the weaknesses of those without strength and not just please ourselves. Each of us is to please his neighbor for his good, to his edification. For even Christ did not please himself. But as it's written, the reproaches of those who who reproached you fell on me. The reproach of those who reproached you fell on me. This is the love of Christ. He's always seeking our benefit. Love looks at the object of his love and decides to act for the benefit of that person. Not dependent on whether they can pay him back. Not dependent on whether they're the largest in number. Not dependent on where they start. Love decides to act on their benefit. God decided to act on our benefit. All the way through the New Testament, describing love, it says, look to what Christ did. That, that illustrates it for you. In Romans 5, it just says, Romans 5, why we were yet sinners, Christ's love for us. Love always acts for the good of the person. Romans 13, just flip uh, the page back um, Romans 13 and verse, we'll go 7 to 10. Oh, yeah. Just, you know, FYI, when you're preaching, sometimes you forget why you're going to use that verse, you know. (laughs) And you flip to, oh, yeah, that's right. That's where I'm going. It says, uh, verse 7, it says, Render to all what is due to them, tax to whom is due, custom to whom custom is due, fear to whom fear is due, honor to whom honor is due, Owe nothing to anyone except to love them, for he who loves his neighbor fulfills the law. For this you shall not commit adultery, you shall not commit murder, you shall not steal, you shall not covet. If there is any other commandment, it's summed up in this saying, you shall love the neighbor as yourself, because love does no wrong to a neighbor. You know, if you love someone, you're not going to steal from them. You're not going to talk bad about them. You're not going to hear other people talking bad about them. You're going to walk away. You're, not, you're going to choose to believe good in them if you love them. This is the love. This is the fulfillment of the law which is written in our hearts. Now, it says here, it says to owe no man anything but to love them. Now, you know, people can take all sorts of verses out of context, and we're in a movement that often does that, and all the Lord's the same wall churches. But I know of pastors who, who got great deals on, on a beautiful church building, and, and because that was only going to loan them for 
2% mortgage, the bank was going to go, we'll give it to you for 2%. They said, no, not to owe, him, owe anyone anything. And so they, they didn't take the loan out. And that's not what that verse is saying. Because if you think about it, like, you know, at the end of the month, you owe the electric company whatever you pay. I don't see anyone paying their electricity bill in advance. Is there anyone pays their electricity in advance because of that scripture? No? All right? He's not talking about that. It's talking about this. When you owed someone something uh, in those times and you couldn't pay it, you went to jail till you paid it, which is kind of counterintuitive because you know, it would be, make more sense to say, go and work and I'll take the money from what you're working. But you actually went to jail till you paid it and your relatives would go around and try and raise the money until you paid that debt. So the scripture is saying, don't owe anyone anything. So don't be indebted to anything. But it's saying the one debt that you can never repay is love. That means that you can't say, I've loved you enough. You've got enough of my love. I'm not going to leave you this far and not anymore. This is the love of Christ. This is the love that he himself, this is the standard that God puts on himself for you. He says, I can never pay the debt of love for you. So the love that God has shared abroad in our heart is a love which is not dependent on how much that person can pay it's not dependent on whether they deserve it. It deliberately decides to always act in their best benefit. And it's a love that can never be repaid. This kind of love, this love has benefits. This love, which is shed abroad in our heart, we have it. It's not human love. We can't whip it up. It's love that comes from the nature of God which is imparted in us when we're born again and it's activated and empowered and dynamically triggered when we're baptized in the Holy Spirit and we action it. We say, I have this love. Someone's rubbing you up the wrong way and you go, I have this love. I'll walk in this love. I choose to love. And when you choose to love, you're choosing to act on the very nature of God and powerful things happen. I choose to love. Your feelings start coming around. One story I heard of a lady that wanted a divorce. She went to a divorce lawyer and she said, I'm going to want a divorce and I want to take him for everything. The lawyer said, do you really want to hurt him? She said, I really want to hurt him. I want to really do him over. He said, do this. Spend six months. Get up in the morning, make him breakfast. Tell him how much you love him. Do everything. Do these things. Do these things and then we'll divorce him. She said, okay. She went back after six months. She said, the lawyer said, let's divorce him now. She said, no, I don't want to. He said, why? She said, because I love him. When we act on this love that's in us, it's triggered. It's supernatural. It has benefits. It has power. We're going to talk more about it in future weeks. But we're going to take communion now, Pastor Chloe.